0: Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you but you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Dugaman, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. My guest today is Australian soprano, Catherine Allen, recently graduated with a Bachelor of Music at the Sydney Conservatorium of Music, where she studied voice. She made her Sydney Opera House debut in 2018 as Paquette in Bairstein Candide, and has since performed with Opera Australia in the chorus of Don Giovanni as Josephine, and as Adele in the Lyric Opera studio Where Mars Die Fledermos. Catherine is a 2021 scholarship recipient with the Melba Opera Trust and will be moving to Europe in September to commence her Master of Music. In today's conversation, we are talking about how to define your own success, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you, Catherine, and welcome to the Driver Seat Club.
1: Firstly, I think it's just such an amazing podcast to have and such an important thing for, for women to have and for women to be able to listen to each other and hear each other's stories and be it big things or little things, maybe find something that relates to them.
0: Thank you. And the goal of this podcast is to really empower women or inspire and motivate women who are feeling stuck and they are unable to see a way out. That's why I feel like having other women who have been going through different experiences, different challenges, share the story that may inspire someone somewhere to take this action and to feel like, okay, I can do that too. I think
1: that's really amazing. I was thinking about success for me and what that means to me and what that looks like. Whether we see success as something far in the future that we've, we're we never going to achieve, or whether we see success as the world that we've made around us and that our everyday lives are are full and happy and we're learning and we're contributing and we feel good about ourselves and good about what we've done. And for me, having that gear shift between this thing that's far in the distance that I haven't yet achieved or thinking, no, actually it's what's happening to me now that's success. What's the most important thing to me and what I strive for? Because you were saying that you were a very good student. Tell me a bit about that. When I was in high school and maybe a bit before that as well, I was very kind of on paper successful. So I'd get good marks. I went to an academically selective school. I was with a lot of really clever people and I was really encouraged and it was a really amazing environment for me. And I was encouraged to do well, I did well. I'd also started singing. And I think purely because of my anatomy, I had a voice that was perhaps more developed at a younger age than for a lot of people. And so I had a good voice and people really liked my voice and encouraged it. And I did some really amazing things at that time and in high school. And then sort of coming out of high school and starting at uni to do my music degree. I similarly sort of found success and and didn't ever have to worry about why I was singing and what I was singing for and who I was singing for, because I just have all these kind of accolades and these sort of surface level things that kept me going and said, oh, you're doing well, you've won this competition, you've gotten this place and something, you've gotten this part you've got this teacher, you're doing well, and so on. So I never had to worry about why, I think. And I could always just ride on the coattails of the last thing I'd done. And you're talking about being a singer? Yeah, talking about being a singer by that stage when I decided that, I suppose after high school, I really decided that I wanted to be an opera singer. But also, I was told that I could be an opera singer. And I don't know whether that was a good or bad thing because I was told that I could be successful and I was told that the career would work for me. And while I loved it and I didn't want to do anything else, perhaps having all these people around me telling me this is what I could do and this is how I could find success sort of didn't give me the chance to choose it for myself as much. And so then from that, I suppose that the crux of this is that this year, when everything went so wrong, I've been incredibly fortunate and I'm in a fortunate country and position and place where life has been good to me this year. But on the singing side of things, I had work with the National Opera Company, I had some really exciting things lined up and I'd really made some choices that I was going to perform and really have this amazing year, amazing performances and just nail it. Yeah, and all the things that totally did not happen.
0: How did you feel about the fact that all your shows were cancelled and the reality of COVID was the lockdown? What was your experience then?
1: I think I was a bit numb to it at the start because you sort of have everything and then it just... All disappears, but it doesn't just disappear for you, it's disappeared for everyone. Words can't describe how this year and what it's been like. And in the performing industry as well, I mean, it's just got wiped, just got so decimated by the pandemic as it needed to be, as we needed for safety and so on. So I suppose the other thing is that I knew that it was the right thing. It's not like an injustice had been served. We were doing the right thing for the safety of everyone and for the safety of our community, but it was a lot, it was a big blow that I think was perhaps stayed in me. And it was just this sort of perhaps sadness and disappointment and regret that was kind of more internalized and I couldn't get over it.
0: And what was uh, the trigger for you to get over it or to realize that, oh my God, this is worse that I I thought?
1: I was sort of muddling through the year, feeling a bit bad. And for example, like my relationships with my parents were getting worse and I think I was feeling more and more like a failure, and I hadn't quite grasped that that's how I was feeling, but I was feeling more and more like I wasn't getting that success that I was used to, that I relied on to feel good about myself, that I also assumed that people expected of me. And I also assumed that, for example, my parents cared whether or not I was successful or judged me for not being, or in any way it mattered to them. And the worse I felt, the worse I was with them because I thought they were judging me and disappointed in me. And so all these feelings were just making me kind of upset and not able to be myself with people. And I saw one of my singing coaches, who's a wonderful coach and also is a mentor to me. And I went to her one day and she sort of said, how are you? And I just started crying. And it was like a proper snotty cry, like not a nice cry. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm not okay. And maybe some of the scary things that I'm thinking about my choices and about myself and about my relationship need to be talked about.
0: What happened then?
1: We spoke about a lot of things because the problem is I think for me and perhaps a lot of people, when you've just got this constant bad feeling, it's not like there's one thing or there is one thing, but you can't find it beneath the other things. or you're too scared to go there or you don't know how to grasp it and to fix it. And sometimes it's not fixable or it's harder to fix than you think. We talked about how I thought about my parents and what I thought about their expectations of me and what that relationship meant. I asked myself, sort of. The hardest one was that I, I don't know whether I like singing. I don't know whether I want to do it.
0: That's very interesting. So, what made you come to the conclusion that you may not be interesting in singing or it's not for you?
1: To sort of say out loud, maybe what I'd been thinking that that I didn't know if I even liked it anymore, and it was because it I'd stopped or perhaps I'd never actually. Started thinking that choosing to sing because I loved it and not thinking of singing as a means to an end, a means to success, and and because people told me I'm good. I don't think I'd ever quite chosen to do this and told myself that I loved it and stopped wondering about where it will take me in 10 years, but what it gives me right now and how good it is now. And so when I thought of singing, instead of thinking, wow, How lucky am I, oh my goodness, to do this every day, to meet people every day and to learn things every day and to sing every day and to learn all the other things that go with it and to perform. Instead, I thought singing equated to failure, never quite being there and being a waste of people's time because I hadn't made it yet. Do you mean that
0: because of the situation with the COVID, everything has to stop? And because the meaning of success for you, it was to be able to sing. And so the fact that everything stopped, you felt like you were not successful anymore because you couldn't show yourself.
1: Yeah, I think it was that. And also maybe COVID was a particularly magnified version of that where I really had nothing but it wasn't to say that singing always in some ways felt like I was running on a treadmill and I hadn't made it yet. And instead of looking around me and loving it for what it was then, I saw it as a thing that I was struggling against in order to get somewhere sometime in the future.
0: How this has changed now after you've spoken to your mentor and what was the turning point for you to realize that, oh, in fact, being an opera singer, this is what I want to do?
1: I did have amazing conversations with her where I was allowed to say stupid things and I was allowed to say what I felt or just try to articulate things. Even if they weren't exactly what I felt, I spoke and I worked out how I was feeling and I'd say something again because it wasn't quite what I meant to say. And being able to express myself with someone was really important and with someone so empathetic and someone who. Who understood where I was coming from and had seen my sort of journey over the last few years. And yeah, someone who really listened and gave the advice that I needed. She also introduced me to this poet, Mary Oliver, who is uh, this Most wonderful poet. I really love. And there were a few poems that she sent that I think quite a few people have turned to. And they're quite important poems to a lot of people because they have a universal message that I think a lot of people and perhaps especially women need to hear. And one of them is called Wild Geese. The first line of it just spoke to me. And the first two lines are You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting.
0: That's beautiful. So when you read these lines, how did you connect to what the author was saying? And what did it mean to you?
1: She sent it to me and I read that those first two lines and I just started snotty crying again for a while. And then I could move on and read the rest of the poem. Because it just hit me because we spend our lives trying to be good. I don't know for whom. It's not a bad thing to be good, but it's not at the expense of everything else. Let's stop being good, whatever good means and let's stop repenting. Let's stop constantly apologizing or trying to excuse our existence or prove that we're worthy. Let's just stop. This is so profound. Thank you. And I feel like I can now and I can do the same things. I can live the exact same life that I lived, but it's not to be good and it's not to repent and it's not to prove myself. Being
0: good can be different for everyone. In the past, when you say that you were good, what did it look like?
1: I suppose it's just all the ways I'd have been described in the past. Like, she's a good student. She's a good singer. She's a good friend. She's a good person. She's good. And so it's not that I don't want to be good, but it's that being good for the sake of other people, but their perception isn't the point. That's not what's important. And that's not what I need to define success by.
0: Would you say that in the past, other people's expectations were putting some pressures on you without you realising it?
1: Yeah, I think definitely. I think the pressure to, to live up to people's expectations and to prove that I can do things and that I am good and to show them that, yes, I'm a good singer, yes, I'm a good student, yes, I'm a good person, was not actually
0: helping me. Would you say that back there, trying to please everyone, you were happy?
1: I think I was happy but it was a lot easier to be happy because everything was going well. But I do think I had that, especially with singing, because that is what I've chosen to do and what I'm still in the process of doing and seeing where it takes me and learning. I'm very much learning to be a singer still. Always had this pressure. And someone said this recently, and I thought that's exactly what I was doing. And they said, stop holding off your happiness until you've made it. And so instead of being happy now and allowing myself to just look around and dare I be so cliched, but look around and smell the roses now. I was holding off satisfaction and happiness.
0: So many of us does that because I can relate to what you just said. I remember back when I opened my own practice and I was working really hard and then I was doing so well, but I was always trying to move to the next step and the next step. And then a dear friend told me, hey, Valerie, just slow down because you are already very successful. So enjoy the moment and things will just follow. Just enjoy what you're having now. And that was the best advice ever that someone told me.
1: That's exactly it. Thank you for saying that. One of the other poems by Mary Oliver that really spoke to me just said, tell me what do you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And we have one precious life. And if we spend 10, 20, 30, 50, our whole lives waiting to be happy, waiting to have made it, that's a lot of our precious life spent waiting and punishing and repenting.
0: Even though you read this poem and then you were ready to get the message, would you say that before the COVID, before this year, just when you have all the success, you will read that poem, do
1: you think it will resonate to you as much as it resonated to you? I don't think so. I think there are a lot of things because there was a, another thing that I got, which just showed me that exactly that point that, you do potentially need to be in a certain place to find these things, was this book called Letters to a Young Poet. It's these letters that a poet wrote to another young poet. And I read them a year ago and they were lovely and beautiful and meaningful to me. But then reading them now or reading them when I was sort of going through kind of the crux of my change just broke me oh, so cliche, broke me and built me up because it was exactly what I needed. And it was exactly that saying the hard things and then telling me it's okay and showing me how it's okay and, and giving me the words, the language and the respect and the means by which I could discover how else I could live and how I could change my perception. So absolutely, once again, I feel so cliche, but I did need this year because I am so glad that I feel like I do now going into this crazy world trying to be a singer. Goodness, I have felt like I've hit rock bottom and I have found a way to change my perception and to stop caring about other people's perceptions and learn that I've got one life and it's mine. And that's really cool that it's mine. And it's actually about me and not the world around me and not what people think of me. And thank goodness this year took me to a place where I was ready to receive those messages and needed those messages so that now when the next thing goes wrong or if something goes wrong in the future, I've, I've got that. I've done that hard groundwork that I needed.
0: I fully understand what you're saying because COVID has been such a challenge for all of us. But it sounds like for your experience, COVID has helped you in many ways, although it was tough and everything stopped in your world like everyone else. But it sounds like COVID helped you to get into the driver's seat of your life and redefined what success means. My next question will be, what's next?
1: Doing more singing, which means the world to me and super exciting. And I'm so glad that I'm doing more singing with this new Headspace. And so I'm doing a training program. So I'll be traveling to Melbourne a little bit and getting some really amazing coaching and lessons and and getting better at singing, hopefully. In September, I'm going to go over to Europe to do a, a Masters of Music. I'm just so excited. I feel ready now and I feel equipped to go overseas and I feel strong enough to take that next step. And how do you feel now? I know that you've been expressing
0: it quite clearly, but Mm -hmm. again, when people talk about uh, failure and they Mm -hmm. said, I haven't read a lot of uh, people saying, oh, failure, you have to see it as something that helps you to move Mm -hmm. to the next step and grow. Failure is not something negative. But for you, if you had planned to go overseas before that happened, now... You're a different person. It sounds like you have grown and have a different vision now. So what will be different for you when you go to that journey? Thank you.
1: I just think I'm going to count my blessings that I can go to another country and study the thing that I love. And I can look around. Instead of adding that to the next list of things that I have to do to be the best singer, make sure I do really well, Sing really well, do the right things, do this master's degree, and then hopefully explode onto the scene. Now I'm just like, what? I get to go to a new country, meet new people, have a wealth of experience. And that's something I know that I'm so lucky to be able to do to travel and to to be young and healthy and have a passion. And so I'm going to go in September and just look around me every day, love every day. And love what the next day brings me, and appreciate that time for what it is, rather than just as a stepping stone. I just feel so relieved <laughs> that I can enjoy it now. That I know how to enjoy it.
0: That's fantastic. What would you say to anyone that listen now, see themselves
1: in you the way that you were mm-hmm. before? I'd say thank you for listening to me. Talk about how you're feeling, and ask yourself some questions. Ask yourself maybe why you're doing what you're doing what you love about what you're doing, what you don't like about what you're doing and see whether you can change those things. See whether what you don't love about it is something that you have the power to change. Is it that you're stressed by it? Is it that you have ambitions for it that are too high or that are making you so unhappy? And if that's so, then change your ambitions or change how you look at it and love what you're doing now and love it for you and stop caring about what whoever thinks about it. Stop caring and ask yourself what you are going to do with your one wild and precious life. That's fantastic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Catherine, for sharing your story with us. That was just so amazing. And one more thing. Are you now in the driver's seat of your own life?
1: Oh, yeah. Me in the driver's seat.
0: Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver's Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.